when I put a program out there, it's not Mark Stern's program. It's a program that I can now link eight to 12 experts to, to get a lot louder. Did you grow up being told that going to college and getting that dream job was the only way to be successful? Well, that was me too. After applying to 100 jobs in New York City and getting no responses, I changed gears and figured out that my dream job was not really having a job at all. I tried a bunch of different ways to make money online, but nothing quite felt right to me. That's when I realized that if I wanted to make it big, I needed to be serving the people I truly cared about, doing the things that got me the most excited. So I went all out helping everyone I could by teaching them everything I knew about sales funnels. But there was a problem. I could use funnel strategy to grow other people's businesses, but how could I use it to grow my own? This podcast is here to give you that answer. Listen and join me on my journey as I reveal the real talk behind the scenes of the world's best internet sales funnels. My name is Brennan Kelly, and welcome to What the Funnel. What's going on, podcast? Welcome back, everybody. We are super glad to have you here because we are talking with Mr. Mark Stern. Now, Mark is actually a serial entrepreneur from Texas. He's the number one former rated consultant in the world's largest consulting firm. He is the founder of Live Online, Clickpreneur, and Entrepreneur Elements. And he is the master of his unique own online summit model. So what's going on, Mark? Come on and tell us a little bit about yourself and say hi to the audience. Hi, everyone. Brendan, thank you so much. Thrilled to be a part of this. Um, really exciting to see what you're doing. So, um, but yeah, um, to, just to introduce myself to everyone, my name is Mark Stern. Um, the story I always tell people was I was the guy who um, I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama, and was always raised with this idea of there's this like, path to happiness. And you graduate high school, go to college, graduate college, get the dream job, go back to grad school. And then after that, you graduate with, you know, the family, the picket fence. Life is great. You're on this pathway to like perfection. And this is how you live a fulfilled, happy life. And I was like, I probably was the poster child of that path. Um, because I was president of my high school student body, president of my class for four years in college, had the dream job. Um, same thing in grad school, got my MBA at Duke. And um, it's, it's funny because in 2012, I graduated uh, with my MBA from Duke. I had an incredible job lined up. And at the same time, you know, I left that situation realizing that I'm $165,000 in debt with student loan. And on top of that, I'm now locked into a job for a minimum of two years with uh, the world's largest consulting firm. And if you work for big tech or a large consulting firm, when you work with a consulting firm, you actually sign over the rights to anything you produce is ownership of the firm. So if it's like a side hustle, this idea of a side hustle that we talk about, if I created a side hustle, it'd be owned by the firm. So I literally was in a situation of saying $165,000 in debt, and I, I can't really scratch this itch to be an entrepreneur, um, but I'm kind of tied into this world um, right now. It was this massive black cloud that I just carried over me for years. And you have that realization that you're like, is this really um, you know, what this pathway to happiness um, should look like? Is this how like, the end result should be? And it took me about six years to finally be able to lift my head in this job and say, am I on the path that I want to be on? And I was at this crossroads of, do I commit to this path and become a partner? Because I was on the verge of junior partner for the firm. Or do I finally just like scratch this itch and just go all in and just trust the process? And, and that was exactly it. If I went the path for partnership, I knew what the rest of my life looked like. Literally, I knew what the next 15 years of my life looked like. 
But entrepreneurship, I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't even know what business I wanted to start. What I did know was if I pursue, if I didn't pursue that route, I'd regret it. Yeah, and no, I, I grew up I- back to a lifestyle of where I was. So that was it. It was literally, we're talking um, December, 2017 that I finally said, okay, if I don't leave now, I never will leave. And I literally left about two weeks before my actual promotion to junior partner because oh, wow. I was like, I, I do not want the title because if I get the title, I'm going to stay because I know me. And um, hey, tell, so tell me this. Do you regret it? <laughs> going all in and transitioning and saying, I don't know where, what it's going to be, but it was a necessary step to at least free up the mental capacity to get clarity on what it is that I wanted to do. And tell me this, do you regret it at all? <laughs> no regrets, it's crazy. So like I, I put my notice in and I think it was January 3rd, 2018. And it took about like six months or five months before I was able to actually transition just because the stuff that I was responsible for, I couldn't be like, I'll see you later, uh, peace out in two weeks. Um, so I celebrated my one year out of corporate literally this last May. So we're talking, I don't know, not even two months ago. Um, so that was like a little surreal to say, like, I've been doing this for a year, but absolutely no regrets. It's been a crazy journey of ups and downs, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Yeah, man. And you've been killing it since you got out. So happy to see that you definitely made the right move. So tell us what you've been up to lately. You've been throwing a lot of events online. Can you tell us about, um, you know, it's similar to a virtual summit model, like we talked about with Bailey in the past episodes, but Tell us what is different about your online um, event model. Yeah, so I, when I was transitioning out of corporate, because I was in a situation that I literally had no product, no business, I had no idea where to begin. I didn't even have a list or a community. I literally was starting from ground zero because I had no other choice. I had to separate from the firm in May. And I knew because I've been in the digital marketing game, I've literally been the guy who goes to all the conferences and joins the coaching programs but can't do anything with it mm-hmm. just to build up that education. Um, but I knew that from my friends who've done virtual summits before that that was like a no brainer to me and a great way to make a splash really quickly. There's very few things you can do as an entrepreneur that you literally launch a product off of it. You build influence. Um, you're able to elevate your status quickly because you associate with other influencers that you interview for your virtual summit. Um, and on top of that, just the repurposing ability, the fact that you generate a community, the fact that you can sell this as a product and make re- uh, generate revenue from it like all those factors in a, just a short amount of time, it was a no brainer that I wanted to do a virtual summit. So when I left my job, the first thing I did was started planning my first summit, which was the Clickpreneur Summit. And that had 41 influencers in it. Um, it was an incredible experience, but when you have 41 influencers, you 41X your workload per speaker. And what I found was, although the size of the event and the amount that I learned was incredible, it was content overwhelmed for me. It was too many speakers. Um, it was too much content to deliver to the attendees. And um, I've done a couple of these now and then I've looked at the stats for a lot of people. I've probably consulted with dozens and dozens of people who do virtual summits. But looking at the numbers, the thing that I noticed was that the average person watched, uh, who was engaged in the summit watched about five to 10 videos. And my whole thing is if you have a, a, someone watching five to 10 videos, I'd rather you watch five to 10 videos out of eight to 12 than five to 10 videos out of 41. So how, and part of it is when we're talking about digital marketing, so much of this game is how do you accelerate your no like and trust factor so you can start to ascend people up your value ladder to get them deeper into your funnel. Um, So my thing is when you sell someone, and this is what a very traditional summit model is, when you sell someone an all access pass that they unlock for life, 
30 to 40 digital recordings, why should they ever buy something else from you if they're not able to consume what they already have purchased from you? And thinking more strategically about it, just looking at a lot of the feedback and the pain points that I saw from, you know, from a speaker standpoint, from a participant standpoint, from a host standpoint, so much of the model that I have right now with Live Online is how do you use the summit model, but a smaller version to be a catalyst for launching a program? So my whole model is um, all you need to do is interview eight to 12 speakers. It's great for a host because it's really easy to interview eight to 12 speakers. And I tell people, be intentional with your virtual event design, because if you are intentional about the structure of the event and the journey you want to send people through, then that becomes a really strong base for any program that you want to launch. So for example, when I did High Ticket Online, I literally had 11 influencers plus me. I think there was two days back to back that one day I did three interviews and the next day I did four. So seven interviews of the 11 that I needed to put on the summit were done in two days. It took me no time to do it, but because I had so few, the speakers loved it because I was very selective with the speakers I chose. It elevated their status because I was able to invest a lot more in our interview content to like feature them. If you see the whole black box I put together for that event, it was all about, can I create different assets that make it easier for the attendees to consume the information to ascend them up the value ladder? Can I make it easier to elevate the influencers and make them proud to be a part of this event? And can I take a lot of the stress off of me as a host? Um, so I don't have, I'm not managing 40 people or 30 people or 50 people to help activate this event and not looking at it about just delivering the event, but looking at the output of what you've created. How can you take all that content and then make it work for you in the long term? Cause you see a lot of times with the summit model, after you attend the summit, usually the content that's available is locked in a box. And if you didn't buy the all access pass, you will never see those interviews. And my whole thing is that's publishable content. It's like a podcast. You would never take a podcast and put it behind a vault. You keep it accessible. It's great content. It's a great way to build relationships. Don't sell people on buying an all access pass that they have this overwhelming amount of content. Sell them on a kit that lets them take action to further get them into your value ladder. So less is more. I think we're going to do Let me ask you this. So just to make sure I'm getting it right. So are we taking these same interviews and kind of, are we outsourcing a program almost and like saying one person teaches a module over an interview? Is that how it works? Or do we take those interviews, put them aside and then build a program around that content? Uh, all the above. It's all different strategies that you can leverage. So one strategy that you can leverage is what I call as a how-to model. Um, so I teach with my program, there's several different frameworks. For me, there's five core frameworks you can teach in terms of how you structure the event. A how-to model is saying, you pretty much are breaking down, like if you were thinking about the structure of a course, um, what are all the topics of the course? And if you have that structure, a lot of the trap that a lot of people fall when they do a virtual summit is they just start asking people, can you speak, can you speak? They're not thinking strategically about what, it, how can I have this work for me beyond the event where you can continue to elevate the speaker as an influencer and continue to position the content to provide value. So to, your, to what you're saying, the how-to model to me is, I know what my structure is, so the framework of the virtual event and that model would be, I need to find someone, let's just say you're doing something that's about becoming an entrepreneur. I find an expert at the beginning that is all about like, how do you uh, build your business foundation? How do you know, define your avatar? And then you may start going down the, the chain to say, how do you do your branding? How do you develop your offer? Now that you have your offer, how do I build my funnel? So I'd source the different experts on those different topics to be very intentional. And if you do that and present, present that model for your virtual event, people see the pathway. And so when you're talking about how can I get someone to consume more content and the how-to model is you could leverage that to build a masterclass, then you can take the insights from each of those speakers, 
and build your own masterclass, um, basically taking the insights, crediting those experts, but structuring it in a way and layering on for me, it's like workbooks and sheets and different accelerators that make it easier for them to consume it. So that's where I'm saying it's not just about interviewing people, but it's about really using the data because when you interview people, like you're getting direct mentorship from these experts who really know these topics. Let it work for you and position it in a way that makes it easier for your participant to take action as well. That's super cool because it's not only easier for you to put out the content, you're reaching out and being intentional with those interviews, reaching out to experts who are literally only work on that one specific thing. So you know you're getting the best content out of it. And then it's very easy to repurpose that and actually build the program out of it so that you know you have an amazing program at the end, right? Yeah. And here's the thing. One of the biggest traps that entrepreneurs face is that they live in their heads and they create a product in their like themselves and they don't engage other people. I'm telling you that the amount of how my products have gotten better as a result of engaging other experts, like when I did Clickpreneur, it made me go back and rework some other programs that I already had because the insights that they provided shed light on things that I wasn't even thinking about. So we don't know what we don't know. And when you start to interview other people and engage other people, what that also does is when I put a program out there, it's not Mark Stern's program. It's a program that I can now link eight to 12 experts to, to get a lot louder. Amazing, honestly. You know, I, I would never even think of doing it that way, but it makes so much sense now that you explain it. So, cool. So, how would somebody kind of not go about getting into this, but, you know, what should we look out for if we're trying to throw this type of virtual event? What can possibly go wrong? Um, you know, from your experience, you've done it a handful of times, you know, what should we be looking out for and how can we make sure that it really comes out as successful as it can be? With anything, it needs to tell a clean story. So what I always tell people, if you're organizing your first virtual summit or your virtual event, before you get to actually doing the event, start with your call to action. What is it that you want people to do if they attended your virtual event or your virtual summit? Think of what that call to action is because to me, knowing that call to action, that is step one. That is the most important thing. And so many people just are like, I need to get leads. I'm going to do a virtual event and they don't think strategically. It turns out to be, and this is the biggest trap. It turns out to be a hodgepodge. It's just a hodgepodge of information. It's very unstructured and it doesn't create the best experience for attendees. So start with your call to action. What is it that if you're selling services, if you're an agency, if you have a masterclass you want to launch, um, if you have a coaching program, mentorship program, um, if you have a live event that you're launching, whatever that call to action is, know what that is. And then be intentional with the design of the virtual event. So that's where I'd say, after I know what my call to action is, what is the model that's going to help people naturally take steps to get to that call to action? And once I know what those steps are, then source your speakers. So any students that, that um, I work with, the whole speaker activation doesn't happen until almost the midpoint of what I teach people. And part of it is that I want you to get the strategy right, because when we, with so many people who teach virtual summits stop at the virtual summit. Now we've delivered, we've delivered. For me, that's just the beginning. Like so much of where you make your money from the virtual summit is not from the all access pass sales. It's from the back end. It's how you nurture the people because you've already warmed them up. So it's really knowing what that call to action is makes the entire process. Like if you, if you know what that is and you develop the right structure, it can start to work for you. And it is the easiest way to generate content. So, so start at the end with the result and the call to action and then work everything backwards. And it, it seems like it'll come a lot more naturally too, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And it's right. fun. Like the process is really a blast. Yeah, it sounds like it, honestly. You know, it seems like a bit less stressful and more organized, you know, easier to consume for you and the actual audience. So that seems like a huge benefit of it too. 
Yeah. And, and again, I can't stress this enough. So many people sell the digital recordings and that drives me nuts because again, a podcast is a digital recording that provides value workshops online. All these things are free and the summit model, like that's like the, the upsell that people have. My whole thing is the digital recordings are great, but like they're published content. They're great interviews associating yourself with influencers, sell them on action. So whatever that kit is you put together to sell them on at a lower price point to get them into your funnel, um, get it. So let it be something that makes them take action. Cause if they have a quick win, you're going to position yourself as that expert where they're going to start to ascend a lot quicker because they're getting results. Super cool, dude. Super unique too. I really like that actually. Something I'm, I'll probably contact you in the future to start implementing, I'm sure. Totally. And uh, I'd love to get you back on again. I mean, we're wrapping up right now, but what if we can go super deep into, you know, step by step into this sometime in the future? Totally. Happy to anytime. Just let me know. Fantastic. All right, man. Well, do you have anything else for the audience before we head out? No, I was just going to say, um, uh, the only other thing that I would say for people is, um, if you would like to see kind of, especially the aftermath of how this all comes to life, um, check out, I have a website that is highticket.online. So if you checked out high ticket online, um, especially if you like, this is a program that I did a virtual event that was all about going deep on the topic of high ticket sales. So you can see how I intentionally created a product on high ticket sales and the methodology that I utilize. And you can opt in for free, get that whole email sequence for free. Um, and delve a little bit deeper in terms of how a virtual event can become a really a core product that uh, can really help you grow your business fast. And that was high ticket online. I take www.highticket.online. www.highticket.online. If you want to go yeah, check out the rest of the dot online. Dot online. Yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, it was a pleasure having you here. Um, honestly, you really shed some light on this subject for me and I'm sure everybody else who's listening to, you got something really cool and unique going on and, um, you know, I'm excited for you. I'll definitely totally be in contact in the future. I'm excited for you too. So really appreciate you, um, uh, inviting me to be a part of this. So excited to, to, to see this get launched in live. All right. Fantastic, man. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening. Do you want some serious training to help you get more money out of your funnels? Recently, 100 people joined me in a live three-day masterclass showing you how to develop your avatar, then create the perfect hooks, sales messages, and offers that will have them begging for your products. Do you want those recordings for free? Head over to funnelavatar.com to get instant access today, and then we'll catch you on the next episode.